Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Do you often feel overwhelmed in your motherhood? I know that I do. You're even hearing in these conversations with my girls this week and last week that I have had to learn a lot in motherhood because I really came in with wrong framework. And I want to invite you to join me on a six-week mentorship journey where we begin to put in place the clearly beautifully laid out truths of the gospel for you so that you can also apply those truths into your motherhood. You see, for many of us, we know who Jesus is. We know who God is. But it's this it becomes fuzzy when we try and push it into different parts of our lives. All of a sudden, performance crops up, or we feel overwhelmed, or we feel totally exhausted and defeated or discouraged or like we don't measure up. You've heard even in here, I have wrestled with this and my girls wrestle with this now as teenagers and your children will wrestle with these thoughts. And unless you and I can become really rooted down in God's truth ourselves, we cannot relay that truth to our kids in a way that is life-giving for them and helps set them free. But first, you and I need to be set free. I'm inviting you to look at a mentorship journey with me over the next six weeks. We're going to start October 25th. So the sign up for this will end October 22nd. And for six weeks, we will journey together and we will begin to understand what it means to have God write the story of our lives. What does it mean to understand that we get to step out from under the feeling that we're going to mess it all up. We're going to wreck it. It's discouraging, maybe even feel full of despair at this point. We're going to step out from under that lie and that mantle, and we're going to step into the fullness of freedom with God. And then how do we practically work this out in the daily moments of our motherhood with our kids so that we offer them hope? Join me on Resetting Your Mind When Motherhood Seems Hard. It will be a six-week faith-based mentorship and community designed, Mama, for you to realign your motherhood by focusing on the truth of God's love for you. There's an easy link in the show notes, and I cannot wait to join you at my kitchen table for the next couple months. Welcome back to the kitchen table. This is the final week that you're going to be hearing from my girls for a while. And in this conversation, we are talking about sin, about sin tendencies, about having the conversation, actually going there 
with your kids and helping them understand not just the top layer, oh man, you were rude to somebody or you did something that was against the rules. But how do we as a mom and a dad, how do we actually address the heart layer? And is that important? I think what was very eye-opening for me that night when we recorded this was they brought this up and they have noticed a difference between the way they function and the way a lot of their peers function. And so I want you to listen for that and I want you to understand or to hear how much, what they think about going to the heart level. You're actually going to hear partway through the conversation. I actually asked them some hard questions about their own lives and asked them to look inward and identify their own sin tendencies. That little phrasing sin tendency is something we've used in the Kimsey household. I mean, honestly, since before we had kids, it's just phrasing that Troy and I use between the two of us. Um, but we talked about this in episodes 21, 22, 23 back when we were talking about different ages and stages, how do we communicate with our kids? So I would love for you to go back and listen to those if you don't really have a good context for what I'm saying when I say, what's your sin tendency? Because that's going to be a question I'm going to throw out at each one of these girls in the next this next 20 minutes of listening. I hope you grab a good cup of coffee. And again, can I encourage you? Grab your girl. Let them sit with you. If you have a son, it it works. They can hear it too. It is just going to be a place that you maybe will be able to have conversation with them that is real and genuine and not threatening. You know, often in my own parenthood, um, my kids' first perception of me wanting to kind of dig in, especially if I have any tone, attitude, or um, where I'm not, in the right place, they're going to be number one, protective and number two, defensive. So I really think that this recording might be a great tool for you to say, Hey, I really want to have conversations like this with you on both sides. So you're going to hear me confess a sentence I struggle with inside of this episode. And I confess all over my podcast about sentences I have. Um, but I want to encourage you lead conversations from a place of, man, this is something I really struggle with. And God over many years is still walking me through this. It allows your child to lay down their guards and say, me too. Or, "Mm, I don't really see life like that. But this one, this is what I struggle with. And remember, mama, and one of my girls says it, there's no sin greater or smaller. They're all different. But in God's eyes, they all need a savior, right? And they're all welcome in repentance before his throne. So when we hear our children confess where they're struggling, we meet it with God's steadfast love, his redeeming grace, and we point them to him. I hope you really enjoy this episode at the table. We talk about, I've talked about on the podcast before, um, identify, understand, you've heard us, we use this term all the time in our home. But um, identifying sin tendencies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you. Ye. Heart issues. Heart issues. Sin yeah. tendencies. What is the root heart That's issue. what I just keep thinking about in this That's what I heard every time. It's well. like finding the heart issue and knowing that 
everybody has one and yours isn't better or worse than another person. Yeah. And so... Like sin is sin. Yeah. I mean, it like, could be a lie or it could be... I mean, I, I don't want to yeah. go into extremes here, but, you know, it, all of it's sin and it's all the same in the eyes of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't, you can't sit. If your friend has or your child has like a problem or they've gotten in trouble or something and it's because of a heart issue, I think a good thing that y'all have kind of um, led us is, you know, coming at it with what is the heart issue of this? Like, why did you do this? Here is a pattern of you in this heart issue. It may look, the different scenarios may look different. You may have done different things, but the root of it is the same heart issue. Mm -hmm. But you don't, like what they were saying is you don't come at us with like judgment of, oh, I'm better than you because I'm older than you. I'm, you're coming at us more of like, what's that word? Community. And it's not Mm -hmm. like a, it's holding us accountable for it and understanding mm-hmm. and like walking us with our faith. Um, because I, in like high school for me, it's in middle school. One of my biggest struggles is transferring from a childhood of my, like my parents' faith. Cause that's what you have in your childhood to your own faith and y'all do a very good job of whenever we stumble and we fall down of picking us up and saying, okay, how are we going to walk this out? And like, you're um, with your heart issues. I don't know. Yeah. And, and you teach us, you teach us very well what it looks like to trace the sin back to the yeah. root. Yeah. Because something I don't think a lot of. I don't know, like talking to my friends or even like when I first started dating and like trying to have, you know, conversation with them about mm-hmm. like heart issue or like what actually happened in this fight. Yes. I don't think a lot of other people no. talk about things that way. <laughs> no lie that y'all like, talked about I think, I, I don't know, like I don't want to say a lot of people, but a, a couple of people that I know that I've been around, like they, what they've struggled with or them falling down, it's, it's, they don't know the heart issue they just want to apologize and then finish it and they don't ever like dig deep into why they would do that or Mm -hmm. what part of them would would want to do that it's more of just like oh i'm sorry let's end the conversation about it now like it's over with yeah but yeah but you can't you can't affect change if you don't allow the spirit yeah to actually display the heart that's really it. And, um, you know, your your dad's a, a surgeon. I have taught this in women's Bible study for years using this horrible example. I, there should be a better one. But um, there are certain kinds of uh, cancers or whatever that you can get. And, and you can't see them and you can't see them until finally mm-hmm. the cancer bursts out of the skin, basically, in these areas. And it would make no sense to to cover that cancer with a band-aid because it's a cancer like you got to deal with it as a cancer right and and yet oftentimes what we don't understand about sin is i mean sin eats away at at your insides that's what it does and then the enemy comes in and brings shame and guilt and everything else on top of it which eats away at you and so the the most important thing to do is to begin to just bring it out in the open 
And scripturally, we know that. It says that, you know, it sin hates the light. Mm-hmm. Can't stand it. And so when we bring it out, though, the what it hates about it is that exposure and then being met with judgment or being met with shame or being met with guilt. But the reality in parenting is is allowing that to be brought to the surface. It's no different than mine. I promise you, my heart is highly motivated by sin. And if I'm not telling you what I'm motivated by and I just come to you and go, I'm sorry I snapped at you today. Okay, that's great. But it doesn't it doesn't at all let your heart understand. I understand that my heart was motivated by selfishness or impatience or rudeness or I just wanted to be left alone. And that's why I'm sorry. Instead, I've just dealt with the top layer. So, yeah, it's a deal at the Kimsey household, I guess. So you have to talk about your heart layers. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of those, it's one of those, we're called to be gardeners. Yeah. We're called to tend the field and whether that means that we are digging or planting or watering or cutting the vines. It doesn't matter. We're called to be gardeners. And it's really easy to recognize what we need to garden in other people's lives. <laughs> but you have to take the time for sure, for sure. To <laughs> look at what needs <laughs> look at what needs tending to in your own life because sometimes roots grow really, really deeply. Mm-hmm. And when you don't take the time to tend to them, if that's a root that the enemy has gotten into your life. Yeah. And it just, it's not going to do anything but grow deeper and deeper. And it really affects the way you view your identity. And it really skews a lot of things. Um, I've, I've recently had to uproot a lot of things Mm -hmm. that I didn't recognize have become roots, but I wasn't gardening my own heart and I wasn't allowing the spirit to uproot things in my life. I was like, yeah, man, prune the leaves. Like, do your thing. But there was no actual invitation for him to garden my yeah. own heart. Um, so I don't know if anybody does any gardening, but like your hands get messy when you dig in the dirt. And sometimes it is a dirty process. Yeah. And sometimes it takes multiple people, but it's really interesting. Like what I've seen when I'm either helping friends or I guess in a parenting role is like, you can help somebody garden like yeah. because we are all card because we are all called to be gardeners we can help other people tend to their crops yeah and so sometimes you need somebody else to hold you accountable or kind of take the shears when you don't want to or can't or are completely down so it's okay to invite help but there needs to be the times when you tend and you find the root of the issue and you figure out where your heart is being motivated from. And part of that, there's a scripture verse and I'm the worst quoter. So I'm not gonna be able to quote this verse, but it basically says for that we, each of us should take a look at at what's going on in our own heart. Um, Okay. So real quickly, if you are willing, what would you say and I'll go first. What would you say are your main sin tendencies? Because I think it's important if we're going to talk about this and we're going to identify it from mom, for moms to go, what in the world is she even talking about? What I'm talking about is this space. And for each of you listening, I want you to think about 
Where do you often trip? You often trip in the same concepts. And Anna Claire alluded to it where it may look different. The situational part of it looks different, but it's the same core issue. So for me, my primary sin tendency that you'll that people my children you girls can attest to this you can see it probably on display even like this weekend is i have a hard time with trust i believe i should just handle it so over the years y'all have even i mean like in our home dynamics i will try and do everything myself i have a struggle delegating until i'm pushed to such a max that then I freak out and I start wigging out on everybody because I can't do it all. And I'm demanding everybody do it on my timetable right now. I mean, I can trip in it like that. I can trip in it like I don't trust God. And so it has displayed itself over the years in my life of going, learning how faithful God is. But in my own sin, I say, well, I can handle it. I trust me. So I will do it. So I don't know. Do, do y'all know some of your sin tendencies, the places that you trip? Um, I think a big one for me is fear. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of things I'm motivated by, a lot of strong reactions I have are motivated by fear. Um, right now, I think I'm really struggling with the fear of abandonment and being left behind or not valued. Um, I really, I really like being my own individual. I like being myself. I like having my own personality on display. I don't really like putting on faces for different situations, but from that, I become very fearful that people will then not want to be around me or leave me or, I don't know, dislike me in some way. So I think fear is a huge motivator and also just fear of things outside my control mm-hmm. of so then you try and control yeah i i can be very controlling and very stubborn when i feel like things <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> when i feel like things are spiraling and just i think fear is a big one that yeah. the lord has actually yeah. very beautifully been showing me like just how invested he is in our lives in the small yeah. details and how his picture and his will is way more incredible than anything that I could picture for myself. So me controlling my life would actually kind of not be as beautiful as him. But I think fear is a huge heart issue I have. Yeah. I see that. What about Thank you? you? Thank you for seeing that. No, I mean like I see <laughs> no, not like no, 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 no. I did not mean like I see it like I've always known. Yes, I, I'm, I am, kidding. I'm kidding. I am the one who knows. No, like no. but like I see it like I see what you're saying. Yeah. No. I <laughs> Well, um, a fear, oh wait, not a fear, a <laughs> sin, <laughs> sorry, a sin issue that has really been highlighted to me in the last six months. <laughs> well, not high, I mean, I always knew it, but it's really come to light. Like it's really been apparent in the last six months is a fear, no, <laughs> sorry, the sin of like, Wanting to be a part or like wanting to be accepted, which is not wrong, but I take it to an extreme of where I base my whole identity off of what other people want of me, what other people expect of me, and um, how to kind of predict what they want and 
into whether it's my personality or how I, I treat people or um, how loyal am I going to be to a certain person where almost it hurts me more than if I just had been myself, honestly. If I had just been myself, I could have avoided the whole situation. But instead, I wanted to be the best person I could be for that person or be the best Anna Claire, the best version of myself that it ends up hurting me and just kind of affecting my whole week, my whole whatever, because I don't feel like I was good enough for them or I don't feel like they accepted that version of me, Mm -hmm. um, which is really hard. um, But I think has always been kind of a struggle with being, you know, we have eight, I have seven siblings, so we kind of split it up half and half and there's older kids and the younger kids and (laughs) just background. And I was the youngest, (laughs) I was the youngest of the older four group and I had two older sisters. And so I always wanted to be older or, and like fit in and be all in all the trends and like all that stuff, even though I was like in a whole different generation. Like I was in fifth grade wanting to act like a freshman in high school and like fit in with older girls and stuff like that and listen to older people music and just want that acceptance from other people when honestly like your acceptance and identity really just needs to be rooted in God and from that people will like you and people will once you become comfortable in yourself and who you what your relationship is with Jesus like people will come and they will want to be around you and mm-hmm. be around that joy and stuff like that. And that's really been a struggle, honestly, of just, you know, having Jesus joy instead of joy rooted in yourself. And like, how can I pretend to be joyful? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Do you um, got any sin tendencies over there, Kendall? <laughs> I think a running joke in our family, maybe in my opinion, is, um, you know, people could ask, what was Kendall's tendencies all growing up in the house? And I think everyone would easily know what that would be, and that would be lying. (laughs) (laughs) I was a big liar. Um, Yes, I'll own it now, only because Mm. thankfully the Lord has rooted that out. And I'm a terrible liar, so I don't know why I thought I would be good at that. But it was just like my innate nature would just be automatically to go to the lie because I felt like I could kind of worm my way out of situations. Um, And that, you know, clearly was just never the case. I mean, I was always (laughs) caught or, you know, cried until I admitted or really just anything. But every situation would kind of begin with a lie. And, um, you know, leading into those high school years, they were tough and I was swayed by lots of different crowds and, you know, lies just kind of kept snowballing on top of each other and I have to get creative and <laughs> I knew I was probably never a very good liar, but I would mm-hmm. just, that was just really my main sin tendency growing up, I would say. Um, well, don't you think though that, I mean, you and I have talked about this before, but don't you think too that even underneath that push to lie may have been the be- a belief that you needed to I've, I've always felt as your mom that the reason that you chose to lie was that you feared you were not measuring up or you Absolutely. feared you were not yeah. enough yes a big lie that i always hear 
is, oh, well, innately, I very much am a people person. I love yeah. to please. Yes, you so do. back to, you know, a conversation earlier about per- perfectionism, that's where mine's rooted in is just pleasing people. Yes. Um, and so like Annie Claire says, pleasing those around me, trying to be who everyone wants me to be. And so a lot of that, you know, lying was probably because I was in trouble. And yeah. so I was about to disappoint somebody. Yeah. And, you know, my innate reaction was to lie because I did not want to be faced with the reality of that I disappointed somebody. And that's really just still, I mean, still something I very much struggle with, not necessarily the lying aspect, just the lie of, you know, you have to measure up or people will be disappointed in you. Um, and that's just something I still struggle with. It's something that I still have to really root out daily because if I don't watch myself still, like Annie Claire said, I as well will have these tendencies to fall in line almost, you know, be who people want to see Kendall as and measure up to this, you know, person that either I've created or other people have created for me and, and be good at that and be perfect at who that person is. And The reality is, you know, some of that can be who I actually am, but some of it is just kind of a game that our culture likes to play. And it's exhausting and it's not authentic and Mm -hmm. it's not who I really am because I think in reality, I think I find myself to be a very genuine person. But when you get trapped up in that lie of having to measure up and be this person in, you know, this whole thing of comparison really is what it boils Mm -hmm. down to. Um you kind of stray from who the Lord really created you to be. And you have to keep going back to those truths of the gospel. Yeah. That that you are loved while you are yet a sinner. Yeah. yeah. That that while you are a mess, Christ died for me and you. Yeah. And and that God is is welcoming you into his throne room mm. because of what Christ did. So when we walk in, we don't have to walk in with shame and guilt and all the reasons why we've tried to clean up our act or done things well. And yet it's really hard. It's really hard. It's really hard to fight that battle. Yeah. Um, Something that I have learned is I would rather feel the freedom to be completely myself and be potentially lonely than have a hundred friends I'm faking it for. It's just been, it's just been something I, so I don't really necessarily struggle with that feeling to people please the way Anna Claire and Kendall do, Mm -hmm. which can be a not great thing because I can be completely stubborn and, a little off putting, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it's never been a struggle of mine. Yeah. After the Lord kind of like brought me back into like, no, you need to be who I created you to be. Yeah. I don't really enjoy pretending to be somebody for somebody else because there's no genuine joy in that. So that's something that I've kind of learned is like, not that I've lost a couple friends along the way, but I definitely haven't grown close to people I wanted to grow close to simply because it wasn't like the personalities maybe didn't work out or I was just being myself and it wasn't something that they wanted to be necessarily close friends with. And I've learned to be very content in that Mm -hmm. because I know 
ultimately I am just kind of trying to step into who the Lord mm-hmm. created me to be without any shame. To go off that really fast, because I know Anna Claire wants to say something about joy. Because mm-hmm. I would say that, like you said, like you don't you don't buy into that lie because you really don't feel any joy from it and et cetera. And I would say that's so true. Like walking through high school, I I would not say that I was depressed, um, not necessarily along those lines, but I do remember telling mom and saying to her, I just feel no joy. Mm-hmm. I remember saying that. And I remember deeply feeling mm-hmm. that because I find myself to be a you know pretty joyful person. I'm not necessarily someone who's just constantly like upset or I don't know. I just, I see myself as a very joyful person. I remember hitting a wall in high school where I just genuinely could feel no joy. And a lot of that stemmed from the fact that I really was not walking with the Lord. But the second half of that stemmed from the fact that I was just playing too far into being this different person that everyone wanted me to be. And so, yeah, I wish I could be more like you and not really care. Yeah. For sure with the joy thing, I think there have been multiple conversations of just, I am just genuinely not happy and who I am and what friends I have. And, you know, my whole family has had conversations with me, my parents and my sisters included, of just like, why are you surrounding yourself and putting yourself in those positions when you know you're not happy and you know the outcome of it? And honestly, it's because I, you know, pretend to be all of these things, but it's, you know, Kendall does it because, she's people pleasing, but I think my heart issue around it is I'm just protecting myself. Mm-hmm. Like I just am building a wall of like protection. And so people don't really, you know, mm-hmm. get to know the real me because there's just so many people that are not so many, but they're like people that have gotten to know the real me and either a rejected me or B just didn't want me and we're just disappointed in what they have. And so I create a facade to block that out and to like, you know, you get to know the person that I feel like you want or you get to know the person that I already know that you've accepted because you've accepted five other girls that act the same way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I don't get rejected and I don't get um, eliminated from the equation. And I don't get excluded. I'm constantly wanting to be in the know and in everything so that I'm not on the outside of the know. That I'm not the one they're talking about, but, you know, I'm the one, I know what they're talking about. And I'm sitting on the end table because I don't want to be the girl on the outside table. Um, Which is just so, don't be on the end table. It's not fun. It's not joyful. And honestly, you're stressed the whole time. So how does the gospel Mm -hmm. come into that? So, so in... That you know, I literally asked you the, that question, so I feel like it's yeah. fair to ask it on this. Like we literally yeah. have conversations that sound like that. So, um, where do you see the gospel coming into play? You know, I think we just, of me personally, um, because that has been such a struggle since like seventh grade, um, and it's at this point, I don't know how many years that is, but it's just been ingrained and in the last six months I've we've really been trying to root it out and understand why do I feel like this and it's a constant reminder of you know you have to be like Jesus and Jesus wasn't hanging out with the Pharisees Jesus was hanging out with the people on the outside table Jesus was with them on the outside table and he wasn't 
you know, he wasn't with the people who were rich and famous and everybody wanted to be. He was with the beggars and the thieves and, like, the tax people. And we are called to be like him. And so we need to walk with the with the girls or even guys that aren't what you would want to hang out with or what I would naturally be like, yeah, I have like a friend crush on that one girl. It's the girl that I would never talk to in a situation. Yeah. And just like knowing that I need to love everybody. And because if I don't love everybody, then honestly, like what's the point? Well, let me ask you this. So can you, can you be friends with the end table? Yeah. Sure. How? Um, I mean, like you just you need to be the person on the end table. If you're on the if you're hanging out with all the popular people and all the girls who are just kind of rude and mean and talk about other people, it it's hard. But being the person of why are we doing this? Like, what insecurities do we have that we have to talk about that one girl? Uh-huh. Or you know, what is our heart issue again? Like. Mm-hmm. being that voice of clarity and like which demands though that that you yeah. actually are pretty clear yourself yes so how do you keep that clarity because i think that gets really foggy really fast yeah especially think? With this i think yeah yeah social media and everything and i'm so glad to like watch you walk through high school and see you having that wisdom because that's something that i did not have when i was walking through high school and i was a girl being completely swayed by those around me. And, um, you know, it's something I look back on and I'm not going to say I regret it because it absolutely led to my testimony. But I will say that I do, I, I do wish I had a friend like you that yeah. was in that crowd, but was not running with the crowd. That was like kind of standing alone, but almost like a beacon of light, like calling other girls to be like that. Like that's so important. It's so crucial because a lot of times Everyone just follows because they're so afraid of the outcome of being an outcast in that in that culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really, really hard when it comes to even what's talked about when the whole concept of like the people you're surrounding with shape you, whether you like it or not. Yes. Like the five people you surround yourself with, you'll become like. Mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all have ever sat in groups and ended up adopting some of the phrases oh, yeah. or <laughs> hand motions that other people did. Like Just this family alone. You, <laughs> yeah, you become sure. who you're surrounded by. So even when it comes to walking the line of if you sit with this group of girls, whether you like yeah. it or not, if you are not extremely, extremely cautious, like you'll dip your toe in the water and eventually you'll find yourself waist deep. Yeah. And yes. it's it's hard. So it really has to come back to where scripturally do you find your identity and what does scripture say about you? Because if you are completely steadfast and firm in who you are because of what the gospel says about you, like the motivation even to gossip about a girl behind her back or join in on your friends when they're picking on that one person in the friend group that is the target Like, there's something that becomes instilled in you whenever you are just completely content in who you are. Mm -hmm. That, like, it's not even, it's not even an option in your head. Like, your immediate response is just to be like, I don't want to, like, let's change the subject or even calling it out and being blunt. Like, 
this is not what we're going to do. And this is not what we're going to say. Or if y'all are finding this one person that just is being consistently talked about behind their back, like whether you even agree with it at first or not, finding the positives in the person that is consistently talked about negatively yeah, can make a huge impact. I want to say a couple of things here at the end. First of all, I want to remind you that my children and I have been having conversations about sin tendencies their whole lives. And most of them are not handled with the grace and the beauty that my girls handled this conversation with. And what I mean by that is I'm often not very graceful and I'm certainly not humble and I'm wanting to just oftentimes condemn a sin. I don't handle things well all the time when my children do something wrong. And my children, even if I am handling things well in that moment, oftentimes feel very defensive and they don't want to talk about it. So I don't want to paint a picture that, oh, this is just so easy. And we just kind of say, well, what's your sin tendency in this moment? And everybody's, you know, kumbayaing one another. That's not true. But what I want to encourage you with is this, that when you can move outside of the framework of the emotions of the moment, so your child has done something and you're having the conversation in that moment, my encouragement is there is such a great power to, hey, I need you to go sit here and think about it and I need to go over here. And so a little bit of separation to bring emotions down. And then when you join back together saying, okay, I understand what you did was wrong. And so we're going to have to address that. And there, there are probably going to be consequences. So I just want to lay that out there to you straight up. There's going to be consequences to this. I love you, but there's going to be consequences to what you have done. But what I really want to have with you is a conversation about why you would have done this action. And you begin to say, I love you. And I want to help you understand your heart, the motivations that were lying underneath. And I want to walk with you as we walk into the word and we see what God says about that. Because y'all under every sin is a lie, is a wrong belief system, is a desire to be God. There's, there's nothing else. Nothing else motivates sin but our own flesh, and that's what lies under it. That's what lies under it all. And so, yes, many years of us talking about that. That's why there's some laughter around the table today because everybody kind of knows one another's sin tendencies in our home. Like there were other ones that we could have talked about, and I'm sure over the months you'll hear my hear my girls come back, and there are other places that we're going to talk um, uh, about places that that were consistently their struggles. But part of being a student of your child is understanding they're going to have these. You have them. No, no one is immune. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're not going to be disappointed or surprised that our child man is consistently struggling with, you know, being cruel or being mean or uh, being selfish or being deceitful or being fearful or, um, you know, whatever it might be prideful. It it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're not surprised by that, man. That's just the display of the flesh. These are our moments. 
to bring them back to the Savior. And we say it over and over and over. And I will say it over and over again. But if you also don't understand God's love for you, and you've never understood that God meets your mistakes with his mercy, that he is not calling you to be a performing mother, but one who is full of peace, his peace that guards you. If you do not understand your desperate need for a love that is beyond anything you've ever experienced and will absolutely set your heart at rest instead of feeling overwhelmed, I want to encourage you, consider joining me in this mentorship journey over the next six weeks. This is exactly what we're going to be talking about, not only so that you can set your mind at rest and you can be anchored in God's truth, but so that when you walk into your motherhood, you have a framework in place. So when all of your teenagers are wrecked, worried, comparing, rebellious, whatever, you have a framework in place. So if it is a two-year-old completely throwing down, you have a framework in place. You have the ability to have conversation, even with a two-year-old, about Jesus. And you have the vision of where we're going. And you can work that out in your home. If it's with a five-year-old, an eight-year-old, they're beginning to have the buddings of a spiritual walk and you have the ability because you have settled this. That's what we're doing in this mentorship journey. I want to invite you to join me. It is easily found in the show notes. Um, it The sign-up does close, though, this Friday, October 22nd. We're going to start October 25th and get going. But I want to enjoy to implore you to consider coming and sitting at my kitchen table for the next six weeks. If you're listening to this and it's after that time, I want you to know that you can reach out to me and I want to walk with you and I want to help you understand what it means to be settled in your soul about your own sin so that you can help your child and communicate with them why they would need a savior. Thank you for joining me today at the table with my girls, and I hope you have a blessed week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see That when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.